The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. joining us on this uh, hump day edition of the 630 oh, Sorry, Missed my cue. I apologize. Yeah, that's all right. Um, Ward 10 City Councilor Michael Walters joining us in studio. We're, we're covering a lot of ground here. We're talking about the Coliseum. We've been moved on to uh, the legalization of marijuana, which uh, the Prime Minister has announced will be October 17th, that it will be legal. Um, we were talking before the break about uh, how the city's handling it, where you might be able to smoke it, where you won't be able to smoke it. And we also wanted to talk about how the police are, how Edmonton City Police are um, dealing with this. Michael, what's what's the latest from them? Well, I think there's, a, you know, still a couple f- open questions about, you know, how do you manage folks that are impaired by it? Uh, how do you measure that? You know, the province did set impaired, you know, guidelines, you know, this stuff that nobody probably understands, two, two nanograms per mm-hmm. milligram or mm-hmm. more. And then when you combine that with... Uh, alcohol and how do you measure that and what devices are there in the market that would help police uh, detect impairment and that those answers aren't those questions aren't answered yet which you know that's concerning yeah for sure it is Uh, you know and our our police service here in Edmonton I think is even ahead of the game in terms of trying to do this research and engage with companies who have various products and I know the police agencies across the country are interested in this question but the most concerning thing I think is that even in the U.S., where they've been at this for now half a decade, uh, they're not even clear huh. on the products that they use. So I think that something needs to be done to really light the fire on on this on this question. How do we get to a solution sooner than later? And now we have essentially 12 weeks till yeah. till we're we're. Uh, you know, dealing with it uh, well, in, a le- in a legal way. It's not yeah. to suggest it's not happening already, right. which we all know it is. But. It kind of sounds like uh, throwing a kid in water and uh, he'll figure out how to swim. Yeah. You know, a little bit. Yeah. But it but it almost feels to me like it has to be that way. I don't know how you could anticipate That's right. all the concerns without actually trying. Yeah, and I think, you know, our policy development has been, you know, it's been dense, but fairly smooth. I feel like, I really do feel like we're going to be in a good place by by mid-July on all of the things that we're responsible for. And certainly the police, which, you know, they they are their own organization and uh, uh, we're happy to to work with through our commission. Uh, I know that they are uh, very concerned about this and and working actively on it. So as leaders in the country, EPS, uh, I have faith that they can get us to a good place Hmm. in this. But, you know, knowing that it's not gotten where it needs to be in the States, I think we need to maybe do be a little more aggressive on answering that. Okay. All right. Let me put you on the spot a little bit. Okay. Since good. you're here and you volunteered, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. I have this. Uh, I've almost finished this cup of coffee. So All right. I'm ready. Now, I don't expect, nor am I requesting you uh, to have an answer for each of the things I'm about to tell you, but I I just ask of your patience to oh, listen boy. to them. Uh, a funicular <laughs> that potentially doesn't work uh, when it's really cold. Uh, bike lanes that have been put down and ripped back up again. The LRT metro line, the accidental beach, and the overregulation of it. Playground zones that were put in and taken back out. $33 million missing uh, from the planning uh, reserve. 
I don't expect you to address each of those. Unless you so, care so to. Funicular, the bike lanes, the bike lanes, LRT, Metro Line, uh, overregulation, or I think we're overthinking the accidental beach. Uh, playground zones that I know that was Bev and Andrew for the most part, but the signs go in everywhere and now they're coming back out because they don't make sense where they are. And the $33 million uh, estimated missing from uh, the planning uh, committee, uh, whatever they call that fund, planning, whatever it is. My question is not specifically about those things. My question is this. I didn't just make those up. I had answers to all those. But anyways, keep going. My question is this. Can you understand as a counsellor where the average citizen would have some skepticism about the city's ability to handle projects when these are the headlines mm-hmm. and and what's being done to change that the so firstly i'll say that the skeptical citizen citizen is the basis of a healthy democracy so always challenging questioning uh, their elected officials on anything is welcomed in in my view and we have to be able to be accountable and transparent so when it comes to project management we all know that story about the metro line and the bridge being delayed and last oh i forgot the bridge last or two bridges uh last Mm -hmm. term uh we did a significant amount of work to restructure the city departments to make sure that they were more oriented to successful outcomes on project management meaning that we have one one department that now does projects as opposed to the old days where every department had its own little skin in the game in terms of mm. I do this project and we do this project and there's very little coordination which got us into trouble. We have one integrated infrastructure services department and we have new policies, new sets of rules uh, and uh, you know of of late you know the, the data that we've been getting back says that you know well over you know close to 90% of our big projects are on time and on budget and when they're not we get quarterly reports to council detailing very specifically why and and how things what needs to happen to get back on track so the whole culture is way way better now that's not to say that a project's not going to be on a behind schedule or over budget uh, again in the future you know those things are going to happen what we needed to do was to be able to have the right structure in place and to be able to communicate with citizens about when things go right and when things go wrong and so we do that now so Metroline, that's a sad story that we continue to struggle through. That is through. a tough one. And and we are trying to do what is right for the public interest. We are trying to get to the place uh, that is the deal that we signed up for uh, with that line. And and it's now a, a, a legal in a legal situation that uh, all I can say is that we care about making sure we get what we paid for mm-hmm. and it serves the public the way we hoped it would serve the public. And we continue to work toward that. Uh, uh, the funicular, you know, I have this view that sometimes cities, to be great cities, have to do some weird things. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, we, you know, you don't go to a city around the world and say, oh, you know, that's the city I was just at. Man, you know, they, it seems like they, they spend their tax dollars well. And, like, you don't, you don't, <laughs> like, you go, you go and, and you point, you remember the things that were beautiful and that were risky and that were different. interesting and that were different. And, and that were functional. And, and <laughs> 100%. And the funicular is functional. Now, there was a commissioning time. Uh, every elevator that gets put in any building gets commissioned. So ours did too at the funicular. The funicular itself, you know, the challenge is, is people keep banging that shutdown thing. And mm. so you take some risks and it's imperfect. But I think by and large, the thing has worked very well and been very successful. Is it a little weird? Sure, it's a little weird. But is it weird in the context that you're going to have an LRT stop close by? It's going to connect to the beautiful Louise McKinney Park plan uh, one day when, as that plan gets built out, where you could have 
10,000 people down there on a, at a concert on a summer night mm. uh, enjoying our river valley and the entertainment that the city has to offer because we invested in those kinds of amenities. Funicular creates a ton of mobility for people who would never be able to get into the, to the river valley otherwise. Yeah, is it weird? It's totally weird, but it's a beautiful thing that I am happy to defend. Uh, now, the functionality of it depends again on our systems and how we build things and manage things and oversee things. And whether it's a funicular, which is certainly a bell, a bell and whistle mm -hmm. uh, or, or a necessary bridge, no matter what we spend taxpayers' money to build, it should be built with good engineering uh, uh, we should oversee our contractors well, we should have good rules in place, and when things go off target a bit, we should be able to tell the public exactly why. And that's what I consider to be good governance. That, that's got to be a, a component of the frustration that you must feel as a city councillor. You described it as a bell and whistle, and therein lies the criticism when a pothole isn't fixed on my street, uh, the citizen says, well, why are you investing in funiculars and, right. and looking at gondolas when you haven't patched the hole well, in the, the street? The gondola is not a public pursuit necessarily, Absolutely, yeah. public money pursuit. But we've spent in the last four years over $220 million on arterial road rehabilitation. So we've continually spent $150-plus uh, million a year. So it's not one or the other. Great cities have both. to be able to do many things at once. You have to, I'll, I'll, I'll speak very proudly of our commitment to asset management. Our drainage system is being renewed mm -hmm. and, and beefed up in the face of climate change and mm -hmm. extreme weather. Uh, our, our neighborhoods are being renewed. You can't tell me that our arterial roads aren't in way better shape than they were four years ago. We've made very good investments in, in the city's infrastructure. It's $30 billion val book value on our on our assets that we're diligently uh, renewing. We, had, we get cities from around the country and the continent that come and talk to us about neighborhood renewal and the way that we manage our assets. So I think Edmonton's got a lot to be proud of. Is every pothole filled? No. Is every bit of renewal that needs to be done, done? No. But I think it's the balance of building a great city where you, you fix the things that need to be fixed on a good schedule, in a reasonable financial manner. You build some new things, and sometimes I will say you have to do some things that stand out and are a little odd that make collectively those things add up to the city being a great place to attract particularly young people, which our economy needs. Michael Walters joining us in studio at 348. A break here. We'll take it to the top of the hour with him. More conversation with Ward 10 City Councillor Mr. Walters right after this. The 4 o'clock news coming up at the top of the hour on the other side. Dave Campbell's in with us. Sports will take a look at the market numbers as well. Right now we're talking about all things city with Ward 10 City Councillor Michael Walters. We, we talked about it in the break. I wanted to just throw it out there because we've talked about it on this show, the gondola idea. Your thoughts on that? So I think that Edmonton project uh, was a pretty cool thing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it was a way for a bunch of really great uh, business folks in Edmonton with some interesting ideas that are all about making the city a better place to come together. And, and so on the surface, I think that project was really great. 
whether the city should pay for a gondola or not is a whole other question. <laughs> and, and, and I think council and, and I have been pretty clear that that's not in our interest to do. Mm-hmm. And, and even the proponents of it have suggested that it's all private investment. Uh, but we also have to remember that anything that's private investment will ensnare us to some degree mm-hmm. in terms of permits and land use. And if it's in the River Valley, that's even more complicated. Yes. So I think we need to be honest that as a city, we're open to creative people and open to, I think, feasible ideas. And, and the next question on the gondola is, is it even feasible? Mm-hmm. So that onus is on those develop those proponents to to figure that out. And, you know, we'll be the city will be engaged in it only insofar as to to understand well you know from a permitting perspective or from an integration with our transit system perspective what it might mean for us but it's really about them figuring out whether that that is something that would be worthwhile and i and i said very very uh clearly that if it enables development at rossdale in any Mm -hmm. way which i think is one of the you know one of the most important development opportunities in our city to not only achieve our densification goals and not not grow out so far uh, but to provide an amazing cultural and commercial residential opportunity for the citizens of Edmonton. Like it's the people right on the river. You look at all these great spots across the country where cities have these beautiful districts. They're vast and full of pubs and restaurants uh-huh. and shops. People live there. That should be Rossdale in my What's view. the holdup? Well, it's because it's, they've been again, talking about it since right. I moved here. Well, I, I think uh, we need to have some will. I think that we need to direct more of our growth uh, as a city towards the core. Sometimes people always say to me, well, you can't do Rossdale and Blatchford and Northlands and downtown at the same time. But they say that when we think that only 25% of the growth is allowed to go into the core. Mm. And 75% of it continues to go into uh, new, new uh, outlying communities. If we thought about it all as 100% uh, and most of our investment that we wanted from our development community into new residential development in Edmonton was targeted towards the core, then we have more capacity in the core to do more. That's the point. And I don't, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not a developer by background, but I, I suppose I wouldn't care where I made my money, whether it's in the, <laughs> mm-hmm. in the suburbs or in, in the core. Mm-hmm. And, and if I'm able to make a buck in the, in the core and provide the kind of housing that Edmonton needs and help make the city more sustainable financially and build those kinds of great districts that people in Edmonton would love. That's what city building is to me. And that's how you prevent the outward growth. All right, we're almost out of time, but I want to get to this one because we talk about it quite often. Let's just say that Mother Nature uh, bestows a gift upon the city, makes a beach appear, (laughs) um, and people love it. And then the city gets involved and, and by the way, there was years ago under Stephen Mandel when he wanted to build a beach in Horlock Park and then discovered the cost of bags of sand and decided not to do it. So this just happened. The average citizen, again, I will say, speaking on behalf of the average Joe, uh, doesn't understand why you don't throw up some uh, no parking signs, uh, put down a couple of garbage containers, <laughs> and call it a day. Uh, why does it have to be so regulated that possibly it's not feasible? So there's two worlds there's the temporary world and there's the permanent worlds the temporary world is we're trying to do that but we're trying to do that in a way that is mindful of the people who live next door to it so i might offer that if you lived on the doorstep of the pathway to the beach you may have a different uh, maybe you know it yep uh because those folks who do live there have reflected and shown us pictures of some pretty uh, unruly stuff. That but I don't people think it, live in front of bus stops, and uh, yeah, and, you know, 
Yeah, I think it's a, it's not necessarily apples to apples. This became a very popular attraction, and it had a definite effect on the Cloverdale neighborhood. So, you know, those are folks, Edmontonians, find people who deserve their voice heard. And so we try to, you know, we put a bus service back in there. Uh, there is a no, there is a residential parking program down there, I believe. Uh, we've added facilities. We're going to get a report back in August on, like, a sort of halfway through the season, is what we've done working to try and keep it as a as an amenity for the citizens who love it, and it's a pretty cool thing. Uh, and to balance off the effects, like I saw pictures of, you know, the classic kind of, you know, Canadian guy with no shirt on and, <laughs> yeah. a, and a sort of ladybug around his waist. <laughs> oh, I think that was Ryan Jesperson with a with a case of beer yeah, walking yeah. down a city street. You know, this right. is. And so you get 20 or 40 or 80 of those guys a day uh, in front of your house and leaving trash and, and doing all kinds of un, uh, unsavory things. That's that's not cool either. So, uh, you know, the mayor said, you know, we'll, we'll sort of check in at halfway through. The permanent thing is a whole other question. Hmm. Federal, you know, we own the River Valley. The province owns the bot, the bed and, and the <laughs> bank and the feds own the water. Right. And the reason we have those regulations is answered by Look at countries that don't have those kinds uh. of regulations, where you can do whatever you want in your rivers, and we don't want to live in that kind of okay. society. So, We want to thank Oof, you for yes. joining us for the past hour. Much yeah, appreciated. Uh, let's do it again sometime. Yeah. Well, you know, just you know where to find me. We do. We okay. do. We've tracked you down yeah. a couple of times now. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, take care All of right. you guys. Thanks. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.